I think I can say without fear of contradiction that in this November Senate race, there is probably not going to be a more distinct choice between candidates than than voters of Wisconsin would be presented. That is, regardless of whoever the Democratic nominee for Senate is and their challenge to uh, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. And right now we are joined by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, hope you're doing well. I am. I am doing well. Let's let's talk about a number of things. Um, one of the things that is not doing so well, Senator, is is the economy, in, in particular inflation. You know, what do you think of some of the latest numbers and what's going on? Well, I was really hoping that we had peaked at the eight point six percent, came down for a month, maybe two months, and then we shot back up to nine one percent. Jeff, I've been predicting. Uh, we're certainly concerned about not only inflation, but stagflation, uh, really since early last year when Democrats passed their 100% partisan $1.9 trillion COVID relief package when we had more than a trillion dollars left over from the previous COVID relief packages. Uh, $700 billion, that wasn't going to be spent until the out year, so it clearly wasn't COVID relief. It was just going to be inflationary, and it's proven to be inflationary. You throw on top of that uh, the Democrat war on fossil fuels, you know, the first shot across the bow, and that was the cancellation of Keystone XL pipeline. But uh, Vice President or President Biden and, and his allies, his enablers, are making it very difficult to, to drill on, on federal lands, uh, get permits, uh, lawsuits. Again, they, they, they purposefully want to drive up the cost of fossil fuels, quite honestly, put fossil fuel drills out of business. Uh, so that obviously increases the price of energy. It's reduced to record gasoline prices, so high energy costs, record gasoline prices, out of control deficit spending, way too many dollars chasing even fewer goods because a lot of the spending is making it possible for Americans and Wisconsinites not to re-enter the workforce, so factories can't hire enough people, so they can't even meet the demand for their goods, so you have even fewer goods. So I call that the triple whammy, and it just didn't happen. I mean, this is caused by Biden and Democratic policies and governance. Uh, and it's a shame because it's, inflation hurts the very people that Democrats purport to want to represent. These on fixed incomes, people at the lower end of the economic spectrum. And it's a, inflation is a tax on everybody. It's the Democrat tax on everybody, but it is particularly regressive and really hurts uh, those uh, constituencies. Senator, one of the things that at least the Washington Post is reporting this week is that President Biden having fail to get his climate agenda through the the Senate because there's not enough votes is now considering declaring a a climate emergency and then apparently going to use fiat to implement a number of things that he can't get through legislatively. What do you think about that if it happens? That would be terrible. Uh, I think we already have ceded way too much constitutional authority out of Congress to the executive branch, and presidents are happy to gobble up even more and more power. So I think this would be a, a naked power grab. Uh, again, it do great harm to our economy, do great harm to uh, uh, Wisconsinites and Americans as well. So I, I hope and pray he doesn't do it. Senator, I know you, uh, you, you've been following matters at the border very, very closely. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we, I went down there with the six of my Republican colleagues. I've made, as chairman of Homeland Security Government Affairs Committee, I've made multiple trips to the border. I always learn something new. I, I wish I could adequately convey to your listeners, Jeff, just how profoundly disturbing 
it is to just be there. You know, you see the pictures, you hear the stats, uh, 3.7 million encounters at the border. They don't even call them apprehensions anymore. It's just encounters. They're getting so fast at processing, dispersing. Uh, you know, that's over 6,000 people per day. Uh, the last four months, it's been over 7,000 people per day on average. So it's, it's an enormous uh, problem. But, I mean, those are the numbers. You see the pictures. But when you're down there on the border, you know, but we, we got out there about midnight on Thursday night and immediately started running into uh, illegal immigrants, so one, one smaller group with uh, some children in it. Uh, there was one six-year-old and seven-year-old little girl. They were unaccompanied. Uh, all they had was a little plastic baggie with their birth certificate and a card with a phone number and an address, not even a name. Uh, they lose that, they, they're lost. They, they have no connection to anybody here in the States. Uh, can you imagine turning over your six- or seven-year-old little girl, your little granddaughter or something, to human traffickers, some of the most evil people on the planet? Then we were told by, by the Fox News reporter that uh, not too long ago, in the very same spot, two little girls about the same age were being treated by Customs and Border Protection, protection because they were brutally raped. We, we were told of, and I heard three different names for these types of trees, uh, either the, the rape tree the panty tree or the taunting tree. And, and what happens is the human traffickers will you know, sexually assault one of their victims, and then they'll hang their panties on the tree just to taunt Customs Border Protection, saying that, you know, they can do this with impunity. There, there's nothing you can do to stop us. So but those are the human depredations caused by President Biden's open borders. And, of course, he knows it. I mean, Kamala Harris was on my committee. She heard that the, they sell children for $84. How, how do you think young women pay off their human trafficking fee of five to $8,000. They, they, get, they get put into the sex trade business. So, I mean, the human depredations of the illegal flows are horrific. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the, the potential people coming in uh, in terms of gangs, uh, the threat to national security, the uncontrolled flow of not only illegal immigrants but also deadly drugs, 107,000 overdoses last year. Um, it's all caused, again, this was caused. This is, Joe Biden is just unlucky. He caused this. We pretty well have the, the border secured. We shut down the flow of unaccompanied children, shut down the flow of the family units exploiting our, our asylum laws, and then he blew that all up. He dismantled all those successful programs, and now we have this complete, out-of-control, open-border situation. Senator, one of the, the stories over the last couple of days was another one of these potential mass shooters walks into a shopping mall outside of Indianapolis with a, a rifle and kills a couple people, but he himself is then killed by somebody who, who's carrying a, a handgun legally and, and is allowed to stop this. Um, three of the four, at least three of the four people who are, are running to be your challenger have called for a, a ban on assault weapons. And I, I don't know if that means confiscation of existing weapons or just simply you know, a return to the law in the 1990s. But where do you stand on that issue? Well, you take a look at the, the facts, and in the 90s, it didn't do anything to crime. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting the way the mainstream media is not covering that mall shooting because it was averted by somebody who had concealed carry, a, 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 good, a good Samaritan citizen that, that ended that tragedy. Now, one of the things I've been talking about is the, the very large mass murder that occurred on the southern border didn't involve a gun at all. Now, 53 people were, were murdered by human traffickers, three of them were children because of President Biden's open border policy. So, again, until, until we actually start enforcing the gun laws that we already have, I, mean, I don't see any uh, benefit to passing new laws. 
Senator, we uh, haven't spoken since the Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade. I, I know that there is some push, particularly among, for example, some of the people who are challenging you, to to use a legis a federal legislative response to Roe versus Wade, which would essentially codify Roe versus Wade in federal law. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I think the Supreme Court decision was correctly decided. I think the Roe v. Wade decision and then the, the follow-on decisions just delayed the very necessary discussion that we needed to have for 50 years. And the, the discussion, I hope it can be done with sympathy and compassion. Uh, but the question that we need to decide is, is pretty basic one. At what point does society have the responsibility to protect life? And that, that's the question that's on the table. I, I don't think 535 members of Congress can decide that for every American either. It's not going to solve the problem. What we need to do is send this back to the states and then through a democratic process. And it will probably take, you know, months, years, maybe multiple elections for people in the states to come up with a consensus. There will be a patchwork of uh, different laws. You know, my, my guess is if you look to Europe, that has a similar situation. They're not states, they're nations. Uh, far more restrictive uh, laws in terms of protecting life than what we have even under Roe v. Wade. So I think when people look at the facts and they take a look at you know what a one little you know 15 month week old baby uh, is, uh, what what that 15 month old or 15 week old baby can uh, feel and that type of thing, uh, my, my guess is people will the consensus would be to protect life probably a little bit sooner than than later. But again, I, I'm think we have to leave that up to uh, individuals, the American people, on a state-by-state basis, and, and let this process play out. I, I don't want to circumvent that at this point in time by trying to pass some law here in Congress, which, by the way, is not going to be possible. I don't, I don't think there's going to be any consensus here in, mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., so let's, let's let the states decide. That's, the, the pro- that's, that's what we should have allowed to happen 50 years ago, and this would not be such a a divisive issue. Senator, what um, what do you think about the work of the January 6th committee? Well, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's highly partisan. Uh, it's not asking some of the questions I was asking immediately after January 6th, which was, where was the security? Um, yeah, I, I've, I've written numerous oversight letters to Capitol Police. They've answered some of them. You know, try, try to get to the sergeant at arms and the people's responsible for security to answer them. I have not got responses from them, but it's just not it's not asking all the questions that are on the minds of the American public. It's, it's a very partisan uh, affair. They, they, they smeared me, which I was not did not appreciate. Uh, so they, they haven't done the due diligence. It's uh, just a partisan exercise. And so if you uh, if you're you know if you're on one side of the aisle, you're probably paying attention to it. If you're on the other side of the aisle, you're probably not paying attention to it. Well, to that point, Senator, let, let me ask you specifically, because I, I have a, a number of people who are on the other side of the political aisle who are saying, well, you know, what, 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 is, what was Senator Johnson's role in that fake elector scheme? And I assume that's what you're referring to when, when we're yeah. talking about smearing you. So let, let me just flat out ask it. Why do you consider that a smear and what happened? Because they, they, they took something and turned into like a big moan. It's a big nothing burger. My, my involvement uh, first of all, I had no involvement in the creation of those electors. I had no idea that my staff would be asked to uh, deliver those electors to the vice president. My involvement, uh, I think there were three texts that I received and read, very short ones, 
two that I texted out, my total involvement lasted, I don't know, 60 seconds. Uh, the total involvement in my office spanned 70 minutes. So, again, I, I wasn't involved at all. This was uh, came from Congressman Mike Kelly's office. That's now been verified. That's true. He denied that falsely. Uh, so, you know, we, we were, because I was a senator, I could have potentially gotten something as vice president. But, again, we were involved for less, you know, a total time period of 70 minutes, but my own involvement uh, could be measured in seconds, 60 to 120 seconds. That's it, one to two minutes. So they may, they may sound like I'm part of some vast conspiracy on this thing. I couldn't even remember it, basically. You know, that's, that's why it took a while for us to gather the facts and get the texts and lay out exactly what happened. I mean, we, we weren't even sure who even called contact us on this thing. We, you know, again, it was just it was just such a non uh, event uh, on the day of, of January 6th. Couldn't even remember the details. We finally got the details. My statement was absolutely true uh, that I issued immediately, saying I had no involvement in it, had no idea that I was going to be asked to deliver these. In, in the end, we didn't deliver them. Mm-hmm. You know, end of story. Senator, um, when you're back here in Wisconsin on, on the campaign trail or, or fielding constituent calls, what, what's the number one issue you hear? What, what is most important to the voters that you're talking to, at least in Wisconsin? Inflation, record gasoline prices. I mean, there's nothing even close. Uh, th- this is really hurting people. And again, Jeff, I have to point out, it didn't just happen. The inflation and record gasoline prices, this was caused by really bad policy. And it's really bad policy promoted by President Biden and his enablers in Congress. Uh, they want high energy prices. They, they, they have this green energy fantasy that they can power the American economy, the world economy with green energy. We can't. Now, I'm, I'm all for an all of the above energy policy, but it has to be based on reality. I, I don't want to be taking wind and solar energy and dramatically increasing people's costs as well as make the electrical grid grossly unreliable. I think we, we saw that in Texas when they had the record cold temperatures. I mean, we came really close to just completely shutting down their grid for a very long period of time. We, we really averted disaster there. So, uh, again, people people would like to go back to low inflation and reasonable energy prices. They'd like to get out of their lives after the pandemic, but President Biden just screwed everything up. Senator Johnson, thanks so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. Hopefully we'll have a chance to talk again in the near future. Have a great day. Stay well. Absolutely. That's Senator Ron Johnson.